Father, we are uh, grateful to be your children. I'm grateful, Lord, to have been called out of the kingdom of darkness, uh, transferred firmly, situated firmly into the kingdom of light. Lord, we love you and we ask that you would help us this morning uh, to learn, to glean principles from your word on how to discipline and correct our children. And Father, we are needy people. Uh, we are needy at every level. Uh, Father, there is no point in which we have self-sufficiency. Uh, so Lord, we come to you humbly asking for two things. First, for your strength. Uh, I ask for your strength as I teach. Help me to teach clearly and um, with conviction from your word. And Father, we ask that you would help us all to receive what you have to say humbly, uh, to not kick against your uh, instructions or the demands that you've set upon us as parents, but to receive them uh, and to gladly and joyfully do things your way and to act in obedience as we seek to raise our children, as we seek to raise grandchildren, and as we seek to influence the children that you've placed into our lives. And Father, we praise you above all for Christ, and we ask that you would help us in his name. Amen. Well, it is good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, this is our fourth week of instruction on biblical parenting. Uh, next week, our plan is to have a Q&A, and we hope that you will provide plenty of questions for us this week. All right, so there's a link. If you look at the top of your two-page handout, yeah, it's two pages, partially because on the front end, let me say this. What I'm going to talk about this morning is just like skipping a rock across the surface, right? There, there is no way that I can cover everything that we need to know uh, regarding discipline and instruction of our children, or discipline and correction of our children. So I, I'm right out of the bat, I'm just going to tell you, you're probably going to be disappointed that I didn't cover one thing or another. I'm disappointed that I'm not covering one thing or another, all right? So we're all in this together, but I did give you two pages of notes uh, to try to help, help us here. But anyway, the point I was trying to make just now is that next week we want to have a Q&A. Uh, that's our plan. And we need you to submit questions to this uh, email address, questions at cbcfortworth.org. All right? So any, anything you are uh, challenged by in the realm of parenting, uh, from a grandparent to a parent to an influencer of children, uh, send that to us. Right? We want to help. And what we really want to do is find the most difficult questions from you and set those aside. <laughs> no, we really do want to help you. So whatever questions you have, uh, send them to us, and, and we'll, that'll give us time to think through them and be able to give you a biblical answer. Well, so my task uh, this morning is pretty simple. Uh, in one sense, <laughs> It's to convince you that you ought to be spanking your children. That's my objective, all right? Uh, and I want to show you that from Scripture, uh, that you ought not to withhold the rod of discipline from your children. All right? That should, in one sense, not be too controversial, uh, but in our current climate, maybe in the 1950s it would not have been as controversial, but clearly in our current culture and climate, uh, to say that you ought to spank your child is a very controversial thing. I don't expect it to be among you, but in our culture it is. So what I want to do is first convince you, uh, Lord willing, 
that you ought to be doing this. And then I want to secondly give you some practical instructions as to how to use the rod in your home. All right, so first, let me convince you that this is God's will that you discipline your children with a rod. Uh, and then how you do that. And I, I hope to be very practical in the second part of this lesson. So let's jump right in. All right, the first thing I want to convince you of or show you, you see in your outline, is the demand for biblical discipline. All right, the demand for biblical discipline. This is not an option. All right. and, and there are multiple levels at which the, the physical discipline of your child is non-negotiable. And I want to show those to you. But before we do that, I need to give you a a definition of what I mean by biblical discipline. Uh, When I use the word biblical discipline, what I mean is the faithful use of the rod or physical punishment for the purpose of correcting and training your child in God's ways. All right, I'll give that to you again. Biblical discipline is the faithful use of the rod or physical punishment for the purpose of correcting and training your child in God's ways. This is what we're after here. The target is godliness. That's the target. So that's how I'm using the word discipline. And there are certainly other nuances to that word discipline, uh, but here we're talking about the rod of correction. In Ted Tripp, in his book, most of you are aware of the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, right? Most of you know of that book. Uh, we probably have copies of that in our library, uh, bookstore. It's worth your time uh, to pick that up and work through it. And I want to mention a number of resources to you today. Uh, but he deals with the rod in chapter 12 of his book. So if you leave here this morning thinking, oh, I'm just unsatisfied with that presentation, well, that's okay. Go read Ted Tripp's Chapter 12 of Shepherding a Child's Heart, and he will walk you through a biblical argument for using the rod, how to use the rod. Uh, It's really helpful. But this is his definition of the rod. And I have it, I think, yeah, in your notes. The rod of discipline is the careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God. It's careful, It's timely, it's measured, it's controlled. So immediately that should sort of ward off a lot of wrong conceptions of what we talk about, what we mean by the use of the rod. We're not talking about uh, an uncontrolled beating of your child. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what God means. That is sin. Uh, What we're talking about is a controlled, timely, measured use of the rod. physical punishment for the purpose of correcting and training your child in God's way. So why should you do that? Why should you do what feels so unnatural to you uh, to discipline your child? Why should we do it? Well, let me give you four reasons for that. Four reasons for disciplining your child with the rod. First, the nature of your child demands that you discipline him with the rod. The nature of your child demands that you discipline him with the rod. Now, of course, we all know that your child is by nature a sinner. So I I don't think you need me this morning to convince you of total depravity, of radical depravity. 
that your child is born, uh, as the scripture says, that, that the ch- children go astray from their youth, right? They are brought forth in, in iniquity, in sin, they are conceived. Not that their mom and dad were sinning when they were conceived, but their, their actual conception from the point of conception. A child is a rebel against the Lord. This is their natural bent of your child. That's not the common uh, perception of children. Right? The, the common theme, a common uh, philosophical position is that a child is what? Innocent. He's innocent. He's a blank slate. Right? If the child has problems, it's you or society. Right? It's anything but them. Scripture, though, presents a different picture, as you know. Ephesians 2.1 says that children, you included, all of us, are by nature what? Children of wrath. That's our nature. That's our bent. But I don't want to talk too much about that, so let's move on. There's another aspect of your nature, besides your fallen bent, uh, there's another aspect of that, of your nature, Uh, the nature of your child, that demands the use of the rod that's even clearer. Uh, Turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs 22.15. Proverbs 22.15. The Bible teaches that your child is by nature a fool. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of your child. That precious little baby that you love so much has a serious problem. And if you don't get that, the rod of discipline will seem like the worst thing anyone could ever do. The language is powerful. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Uh, It's really, it's interesting. The language of binding up, it it literally means tied down. Folly, here's this little child, is tied down to the child's heart. It, the language was used of like an animal being tied down. And here is this innocent, I mean, seemingly innocent child, and it has a serious problem. And that pro- problem is that folly has been lassoed, right? Tied around to its heart. And unless that folly is driven out from it, that child will remain a fool for the rest of its life. Right? It'll grow in its ability to hide its folly. Right? Uh, it'll grow in its ability to navigate the world as a fool. It, it will, and we see that all the time, right? Uh, we see, I mean, it, it, folly uh, is no respecter of age. Right? If folly is not driven out of the heart of your child, they will grow up and be a big fool. Right? So folly is bound up in their heart. And what I want you to see is just the, how serious of a problem this is. And so I've, I've given you, this is part of the reason my notes are, two, are four pages, 
uh, is because I, I wanted you to see it explicitly. So I've listed here um, on your notes the A to Z, essentially, of folly uh, from the book of Proverbs. And I, I get this largely from Lou Priolo's book, The Heart of Anger. It's another great resource. I meant to bring those and show you. Uh, it's a great resource, uh, but he lists, these, he lists 25 qualities of a fool from the book of Proverbs. I have 26. Uh, we could do 35. Um, but this is 26. It's the A to Z, essentially, of what it means to be a fool. And I just want you to see that all of this is what has been tied to your child's heart. Right? And you're going to see these and you're going to think, well, of course, <laughs> that's exactly the way my child is. All right? So let me just pick out a couple. They despise wisdom and instruction. They hate knowledge. They neglect counsel. Proverbs 10.23, they love wickedness. Doing wickedness, says the Proverbs, is like sport to a fool. But it's exhilarating to him. This is like a game, right, to do wicked things. And you know that, right? You think about your own childhood. What were the things that were, I mean, of course, there were a number of things that were exhilarating to you. Uh, but there were often, I would think, uh, if your childhood was anything like mine, that there was something exhilarating about sinning, about doing something you knew you weren't supposed to be doing. Well, the proverb says that is folly. And that sort of folly is tied down to your child's heart. It's like sport to a fool. Proverbs 12.15 says, The fool, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Right? Naturally, your child is going to think they are wrong all the time. No, they're right. And what happens is you see that as they grow. Right? Maybe as the, you know, your little three-year-old, it doesn't seem as explicit. But as they grow and they, they gain more abilities to express themselves and their sinful hearts, uh, you see all of a sudden, they enter these teenage years, and they think they are right quite often. And sometimes they might be right, and that's true. But uh, the way of a fool, says the proverb, is right in his own eyes. All right, if that, that needs to be driven out from them. Uh, Proverbs twelve sixteen: A fool's anger is known at once. All right, tell me this: How quickly can you tell that your three year old is angry? How quickly can you tell that your 14-year-old is angry, right? A fool's anger is known at once. That is tied up in the heart of your child. What about Proverbs 15:20? A wise son makes a father glad. This is letter L. But a foolish man despises his mother. To despise is to think contemptuously of them. Right? You know, you know this. You were a teenager at one point. And sorry, I'm not trying to throw teenagers under the bus here. Um, but we've all been there. And what happens when you enter those teenage years typically? Right, you think, why are my parents so crazy? Why are they so foolish? How do they not see the world the way that I do it? All right? How do they not see these things? Right? And you just sort of, you don't, you know, you go through life and you think, I've got this figured out and they're all wrong. And then something happens when you turn 25, Right? All of a sudden, what you thought was folly in your parents is actually extreme wisdom. And you run back to them and you say, will you please forgive me for that? Will you please forgive me? You know, teach me your ways, oh wise one. <laughs> you know. um, that's where we come. Why? Because we learn. 
right? Lord willing, we're learning wisdom. And we, we don't want to despise our parents. But a fool does that. So naturally, that's what your child will do. Uh, oh, Proverbs seventeen twenty four. Wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Your child naturally is going to be a naturalist, right? A materialist, right? I want more. I want more. I need a new Lego set. I need a new toy. I need new this, that, right? That is the natural bent of your child. And it falls on you, parent and grandparent and influencer of children, to help your child learn that that is not God's way. Right? The fool's mind is set on the ends of the earth. Let me get more and more and more. But we have to train them that this is not the way God wants you to live. Right? We have to train them of God's way. And part of the way we get them on the right path, we'll see, is through the rod of correction. All right. Uh, are the fool delights not in understanding Proverbs 18.2, but only in revealing his own mind? Right? The fool only has one objective. He just wants to express his opinion. Right? He doesn't want to listen. He just wants to talk. That's bound up in the heart of your child, right? Proverbs eighteen six to seven: A fool's lips bring strife, but his mouth calls and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. That is your child's default. Right? They're going to use their lips to bring calamity upon themselves. This is their bent, and we have to help them with that. All right, we could go on and multiply examples, but I think you get the point. Um, all of this is bound up in the heart of your child. But God has given us a way to drive this Leviathan, as it were, out of the heart of your child, to unbind it from your child. And what is that way? Someone tell me from Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen: The rod. Right, I'll read it again. Folly is bound up or tied down in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him or drive it far from him. That's what you want to do. Right? That's your objective as a parent. How can I drive this folly far away from my precious child that I love? It seems like it's wrong. It seems like it's unloving. It seems like it's too hard. But the, the situation demands all your efforts. Right? Here is a serious problem in your child. All of this is bound up in his heart, and you must drive it out of him. And God has appointed you to do that. He's not appointed me to do that. Uh, I can't drive the folly out of your child or grandchild's heart. It's your job. Well, it's the parent's job to drive that folly out. You don't do it, they remain a fool perpetually. Okay? All right. Now, just I should say here that if you failed to do that, God is remarkably gracious. He is so good that he even, I mean, parents who totally blow it, totally blow it. And then you find out this young man that you see and you think, how in the world is this? Teach, you know, what did your parents do to help you get to where you are at 19? And then you find out, well, my parents are unbelievers. My parents are X, Y, or Z. And you think, how in the world does this come out of this? Well, it's because God is incredibly gracious. So you may have blown it, you know, at this point, And you think, there's no hope for me. or no hope for my child. That's not true. As long as that child is alive, God can reform their heart. Right? 
But he gives you this responsibility, and you need to be faithful to do it. So first, the nature of your child demands that you spank them, drive that folly out of them. Second, the direction of your child demands that you do this. Jason referenced Proverbs 22.6, and since we're in Proverbs 22, why don't we read that? Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Jason mentioned that the proper translation of that is something like, Train up a child according to his way, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. All right, train him up in his way. And the way that you train him is the way that he's going to go, essentially. But you train him up in his way, let him do what he wants to do. When he's old, he will not depart from that. I look at Proverbs 23. Just flip over in your Bibles. If you haven't guessed it already, we're going to be in the Proverbs a lot. This is like the manual for parenting. A manual for life. It's full of wisdom. Proverbs 23, verse 13 Uh, Let me just say before we read this, this is a verse that I had to write out on a note card and stick on my computer uh, to convince me that I needed to spank my precious child. I did not want to do that. I didn't. Uh, You can ask Savannah. Uh, I I just revolted against spanking my precious child, our firstborn. Uh, It was so hard for me. I did it, but it was so unpleasant. I just hated it and I always thought, man, I'm doing the wrong thing. And I needed help to know what does God want from me. Uh, and this verse was just, it was so helpful for me. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. <laughs> That's what I needed to hear. All right, you're not going to kill him. All right, I feel like I'm about to kill him. Uh, he's not going to die. He's going to live. And then look at verse 14. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. That's the kind of motivation I needed. We love these kids. We love them. We want to see them flourish. We don't want to spank them. Why would we want to hurt them? Well, God says if you don't, he will go his way. He will do his thing, and that will be the death of him. Right? If you allow him to have self-expression, if you allow him just to go his way, and you don't want to um, shape him into anything that, uh, you know, into what you want him to be, if you allow him to do that, he will go to hell. Right? His self-expression will lead him to hell. And that's the buzzword, really, in contemporary uh, parenting books, uh, pedagogy, all of this is self-expression. I don't want to uh, cause my child to be other than who they are naturally. (laughs) We don't buy that. Don't buy that. If we let them be who they are naturally, they end up as a devil. And we don't want that. And this is what Proverbs 13 is telling us. Proverbs 23, rather. uh, Is don't withhold discipline from your child. Train him up according to God's way. Right? Don't let him just do what he wants to do because his path is towards hell. J.C. Ryle, in his little book, The Duties of a Parent, worth your read. 
Little book. We have, I think we have some in the library, uh, in the bookstore. Little book that would be worth your whatever hour that it would take to read it. Excellent. Full of quotable material, powerful. This is what he says. If you would train your child rightly, or sorry, if you would train your children rightly, train, train them in the way they should go and not in the way they would go. The way they should go, not in the way they would go. Remember, children are born with a decided bias towards evil. And therefore, if you let them choose for themselves, they are certain to choose wrong. God has placed you in their life to train them, to show them what folly is and how to not be a fool, how to be wise. J.C. Ryle goes on to say, Our hearts are like the earth on which we tread. Let it alone, and it is sure to bear weeds. Right? Let your kid just do what he wants to do. Uh, he will be a garden full of fruitless weeds. Right? So that's the direction. The direction of their child, the child demands that you discipline them. Third, God demands it. God demands that you discipline them. Now, I, I will just cite one text again, Proverbs 23, 13. You're already there. God clearly says, do not hold back discipline from the child. And you say, well, that could be you know, all sorts of discipline. You know, that could be, you know, you know, pick your variety of discipline. Well, although you strike him with the rod. Seems pretty clear he's talking about physical discipline. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. So do not hold back. Withhold not correction from your child. It's hard to be more uh, explicit than that. Now understand there are a variety of situations where you can't do that. So I understand a number of you are foster parents and I understand a number of you have other complications. What I'm talking about here are the principles, right? And there are exceptions and that we can talk about and I'm sure we'll get some of those in the Q&A. Uh, but these are the general principles that God gives. And he, and he demands discipline. Ephesians 6.4, right? Uh, train up your child. I mean, clearly God says to train them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline, the word there, uh, Randy Patton is really a great uh, way to describe the word. It's paiduo or paidea in that text. And Randy Patton says that word is, is training with a kick. Right? And he gave the example of you know, the little toddler who keeps touching light sockets. And they keep going over and touching the light socket. And so he, you know, he sees the child go over and touches the light socket. And he says, Johnny, don't touch that light socket. Well, then little Johnny, you know, he sees it again. He sets him down. And little Johnny looks at him. You, you've all witnessed this. They look at it. They look at you. They look at the light socket. They look at you. And then they make their way. Well, Paidea, or paiduo is the verb, is Johnny goes over to touch it and do not touch that light socket. That's training with the kick, right? That's paiduo, that's paidea. Uh, this is a way that we train children to follow the instructions that God has given them, or the instru- the, follow the authorities, rather, that God has put over them. God has not told them not to touch light sockets, has he? Not, not in my Bible. Uh, but you are the authority, and you are responsible to train them to obey. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right, fourth. Um, well, let me give you a little bit of a review here. So 
the, the nature of a child demands physical correction. The direction of the child demands this correction. God demands this correction. And fourth, love itself. Love itself demands correction. I just want you to flip over in your Bibles to Proverbs 13, 24. This is another verse that I wrote down and put on that note card for me to see. That this was God's best for me. Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. He who withholds his rod hates his son. You think that love would keep you from doing this. I just can't spank little Johnny. Right? Love demands that you do. Right? If you understand the gravity of the scenario, love demands that you withhold not correction. When we discipline our children, we are actually modeling the fatherly love of God. You have to see that. This is uh, Proverbs 3, 11 to 12. It says this, My son, do not reject the discipline of Yahweh or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. When the Lord gave his promise to David that a son would come and be the eternal uh, heir and king of the Davidic uh, dynasty. Second Samuel seven fourteen to fifteen. God says this: I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Whenever he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. This is God's way. Those whom he loves, he disciplines with either the rod of men, the strokes of men, painful providences, whatever it is, God disciplines because why? He loves. Turn with me. I've got to watch my time. I've got way too much to say. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. You've got to see this. In Hebrews 12, love demands that you discipline. It demands it. And we are no more like God than when we are actively spanking our children when they have sinned. Right? And we're doing it in a God-like way. Not that we are God and you must submit to me. Uh, no, we are operating always underneath the authority of God. We operate with a, um, a derived authority from God. Right? If you are the parent, God has placed you over uh, these children that are His, remember? They belong to Him. And He's called you to spank them with the rod when they rebel against Him. And when they rebel against the authority that He's placed under them. And so our responsibility is to do this in the most godlike manner. All right, Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. 
This is, pay attention very carefully. My son, this is a quote from Proverbs 3, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. This is the word paiduo. It's the don't touch it, right? This is what he does. He disciplines. And then the next line, and he scourges every son whom he receives. That is a powerful word. Uh, it's the word for flogging. Now, I'm not commending you to flog your child, even if you feel like it. That's not what we're after here. But the point here, of course, this word can mean flogging, but it often just means a physical punishment for a breach of instruction. All right? But this is what God does. He, he chastises, I think the ESV says, he, he scourges every son whom he receives. And then verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. Okay, how does God deal with his sons? He scourges them. He chastises them when they sin. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8, but if you are without discipline, for which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. And the implication here is, even earthly fathers know that they need to chastise their children. Now, this is common. This is just what loving fathers do. And we had earthly fathers that disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Life is the target. Jason talked about a few weeks ago that the way of folly is the way of what? Death. Right? Life is the way of wisdom, rather, is the way of life. And that's the goal for our children. And this is what discipline does. We, we want to joyfully be subject to the Father of spirits and live. And then verse 10. For they disciplined us, earthly fathers, for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. Right? That's the target. Verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Amen? <laughs> Amen. But sorrowful, right? It's not enjoyable. Yet, to those who are trained by it, to those who submit to the rod of God, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Isn't that the target in parenting? You want righteous children, God-like children, children who joyfully submit to God's ways, God's word, God's methods. Well, every time we discipline them, we are modeling for them what God's discipline is like. Right? So that, in one sense, should probably be enough for explaining the way or the manner in which we administer the rod. Answer, just do it like God. Right? Controlled, careful, appropriate, effective, right? We could go on. Uh, but let me, give you, let me give you some practical instructions here in the last few minutes that we have. All right, so I, I hope that you're convinced that God's way is the use of the rod, all right? Now, how do we do this? Well, let me first give you a definition of obedience. Uh, and this, I think, is from Ted Tripp. 
Uh, Jason gave it to you a couple of weeks ago. And, and to obey, I, I'm certain I gave it to you on the handout. To obey is to do what I say without challenge, excuse, or delay, and with a willing spirit. All right, that's obedience. To obey is to do what I say without challenge, excuse, or delay, and with a willing spirit. All right, you can't use the rod like God appropriately if you don't know what obedience is. This is obedience. As far as this is the best sort of synopsis of what God teaches about what biblical obedience is. Now, this is a, a, a flawed definition. Certainly, you could poke holes in it, but it's meant to be a tool, sort of a metric to know when do you use the rod. When should I spank my precious child that I love so dearly? When should I do this? Well, at any time they disobey your instructions. Anytime. We've used a sort of modified definition. Uh, we've taken this, and I don't know where we got this. I tried to track it down, but uh, we say to our little kids, and this could be helpful for you to little kids, uh, to obey is to do what I say right away, all the way, whether I want to or not. All right, that's what we say to our kids. To obey is to do what I say right away, all the way, whether I want to or not. All right, that's what we tell them. And we, we debated, and we're not debated, but we talked about it this week. How do we, how do we sort of, uh, do we develop that definition as they grow? We don't know. All right, this is part of the process. This is part of why next week we're going to have a Q&A with parents in different stages of discipline. I, I, I admit to you, I am the parent of small children. <laughs> right, you know that. Right? I don't have teenage parenting experience. Uh, however, I do have experience with parenting kids under five, uh, plenty of that. Um, so that's what we do. So anyway, that's discipline. I mean, that's obedience, sorry. That's obedience. So when then do we discipline? Well, uh, the answer is simple. Anytime the child does not obey immediately without excuse and without challenge. That's that simple. Whenever they uh, disobey your clear instructions, the child needs to be spanked. All right? Uh, We often use Psalm 1. Actually, our kids have memorized Psalm 1, and there's probably not a day that goes by that we don't use the imagery of Psalm 1 in our house. Right? Psalm 1, um, how blessed is the man, how happy is the man who does not walk on the path of wickedness. Right? So there are two paths that you can walk, son. Right? You can walk on the path of God, the path of righteousness that's full of happiness and joy and harmony and peace. Our family's happy. Everything's going well. We're just satisfied in God and satisfied where the Lord has us. You can walk that path. Or you can walk the path of wickedness, right? That path ends in death, ultimately, but it also right now ends in spankings, all right? So if you choose to walk in rebellion against your instructions... I have to discipline you back onto the right path. Because love demands, God demands, that I spank you, as it were, back onto God's pathway. All right? I can't let you walk in a path of wickedness and think that that's the right path. All right? We know the direction they're on is towards hell. And they will gladly, cheerfully, boastfully, proudly walk the way of wickedness their whole lives. And we have a short window of opportunity to spank them back onto 
the path of joy. So we use that language all the time. Ted Tripp uses the language of a circle of blessing in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. You step out of the circle of obedience, you get spanked back into the circle, all right? Because we love you and we want you to be um, God's kind of child. All right, let's get into it. What are the practical instructions for the use of the rod? This is going to be sort of rapid fire here. First, be consistent with the rod. Be consistent. If God demands it, then you need to be consistent with it. Uh, Disobedience can take a variety of forms, but we need to be uh, consistent with correcting folly in whatever manifestation we see. All right, so sometimes that is manifested in delayed obedience. Right? You give an instruction that's clear, and they delay. Well, to delay is to disobey. Right? You don't have the option of delaying your obedience. Right? What happens if God says, uh, Abraham, I want you to get up and go to Ur of the Chaldees? And Abraham says, ah, I think I'll just sit here for a little while. No, obedience is immediate. Right? It's immediate. And our children have to be trained that they are to obey immediately what we say. So we should speak clearly, and they, uh, you know, intelligible, appropriate instructions for them, and expect immediate obedience. That's what you should do. Uh, so there are a couple of implications there. Counting down uh, doesn't work. I mean, it, it, I don't know, it might work for you to accomplish your purposes, but it's not going to work to accomplish God's purposes. All right, you can't say... Okay, Johnny, I'm going to give you uh, to the count of three or else I'm going to get serious about your disobedience. Uh, no, it doesn't work. You, what you're doing there is training your child to delay, right? And delaying is disobeying, right? So we don't give excessive warnings. We don't give countdowns, uh, whatever, ad infinitum. We don't do that. We speak simply, clearly, clear instructions and demand obedience immediately. And when there's disobedience, we spank them back onto the right path, all right? So that's what we want to do. All right, there are no challenges. All right, we don't accept challenges to our instructions. Um, that, that can take many forms. Uh, you have to be consistent in addressing challenges to your instructions. Right? Grumbling, complaining, whining, arguing, tantrums. None of that is acceptable. Right? That is a challenge to what you're giving as instructions. Right? And how does God handle grumbling? How does God handle grumbling? Severely. Right. The Lord has clearly instructed us to do all things without what? So in our house, you don't get to grumble about your broccoli. Right? This is a serious of offense. Now, I'm, I want you to know, we, we love what I'm about to say. sounds like we are like a, you know, a tight ship at our house. But you don't get to grumble about your broccoli. Why? Because this is God's best for you right now. This is what God has delivered to you by the hands of your mom and dad. Right, And you have to eat it. You don't have to like it, but you do have to eat it. And you don't have the freedom and liberty to grumble about it. Right, And and sometimes uh, we will even say, listen, there are severe consequences in God's economy for grumbling against him. He has opened up the earth and thrown people in it for their grumbling against him. Okay? So stop that and eat your broccoli. (laughs) But this is part of, I think, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, right? We're in, in Psalm 73 as well. Psalm 73. Um, I think that's a wrong citation. But we're cultivating generational fear of God, 
right? We want them to know who God is. So don't accept challenges. Don't accept whining, complaining. We just can't do that. We have to spank them. Those are spankable offenses in our home. All right, now just a caveat here. We do want to be careful that, just to use the broccoli analogy, that we don't misinterpret their distaste for broccoli as grumbling and complaining. All right, so they, they don't have to enjoy broccoli. They might make faces. That, I mean, that, that's okay. Uh, but those faces can't be rebellious, right? Uh, keep that to yourself. Um, you know, Proverbs eighteen thirteen. whoever gives an answer before he hears a matter, it's to his folly and shame. That's true in parenting, right? I can't read your heart, but I can tell you what inappropriate behavior is, and your, your moaning right now is, is unacceptable. All right, moving on. Uh, so there, you just need to be clear with what your instructions are and execute or administer a di- discipline whenever those instructions are, are breached. So second, be clear with your instructions and, and commands. Uh, this requires that you speak clearly, appropriate, age-appropriate instructions. Uh, they should be clear and brief. Your instructions should be clear and brief, just like our preaching. Uh, we hope it's clear. Often it's not brief. Um, that should be your instructions. Right? You, you just have to make sure you scale down the instructions that you give your four-year-old and the way that you give your instructions to your 17-year-old. Right? You know that. I'm just reminding you of these things. Uh, you know, don't give them instructions on how to complete the swing set that you just bought and then say, go do it. If you don't do it, I'm going to spank you. That's my responsibility. <laughs> no, you need to give. God gives clear, measured instructions, right? Obedient. How I can obey God is crystal clear. Right? Your instructions ought to be that clear. All right? So oftentimes we'll go to our kids, we'll give them an instruction, and we'll say, okay, did you understand your instructions? And if they say yes, okay, now we have an agreement. Now we know what disobedience looks like. If I see them doing something that they ought, you know, going against their instructions, often my first thing, question is, what were your instructions? And they try to give them to me, and I realize, okay, I gave them five instructions. <laughs> That's the problem. He's five. He can't do that. I give him one instruction and may, hold him accountable to it. All right, one or two as, as seems appropriate. All right. Now, I do, I included a chart, and I want to show this to you really quickly. Um, on the back, on page three of your handout, um, I just want to say something really quickly, that as our children are young, we have to be heavy on the rod, right? The target in, in the early years is essentially establishing your authority. Right? You have zero to five to do that, essentially, Right, where you're just establishing that I am the, the ruler that God has placed over you. And your faithfulness to God looks like you submitting to what I say. All right? So when I say jump, you jump. And don't delay. And don't, you know, don't challenge me. When I say go, you go. Uh, when I say do this, you do it without grumbling, excuse, delay. Right? And that's early on, that's all we're establishing. But as our children get older... There's more, more and more we're giving instructions, we're admonishing them, and we, we start to counsel them more and more. All right, so there's just this balance that we want to strike. Early on, it's a lot of law, right? This is the way it is. Because without the law, you don't understand, you won't understand the gospel. You won't understand how I am a sinner, right? And you're establishing that early on. And then as they grow, you get to counsel them more, you get to preach the gospel to them more, uh, you, still, you still might have to discipline them physically from time to time. Uh, but anyway, that changes as they grow. All right. 
uh, lots to say about that in my own personal experience as well. Um, but let's see, where are we? All right, um, third, so give clear instructions. Third, be robust enough to be effective. Be robust enough to be effective. Um, I have a story I could tell you about that, um, but we don't have time for that. Just know that the discipline you administer should hurt. Why? Well, because sin hurts. Right? And if you discipline in this sort of wimpy little pat, and your kid just looks at you and says, okay, we're done, let's go, you are not disciplining effectively. Right? Your discipline, your administration of the rod should be painful. Right? Appropriately painful. They should respond as you do when you realize the weight of your sin. Right? You, they should respond uh, appropriate to the sin or the discipline that you've administered. So just be effective. Make sure your discipline is effective. Oftentimes we think, well, I've disciplined. It wasn't effective. I'm going to move on to something different. Well, what was their response when you spanked them? Were they laughing with you, you know, at the spanking? Well, that's, that's not the rod of discipline. There should be some, uh, some pain involved in that. Fourth, don't discipline in uncontrolled anger. Clearly, James 1.20 says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Your target in your child is righteousness. That's your goal, to produce in them righteousness. You being angry and disciplining them will not do that. Right? So just, just wait. Right? Don't discipline in uncontrolled anger. Anger. Discipline is not for your cathartic release. All right? That's not what it's about. All right? That's abuse, and we are against that. The Lord is against that. Uh, much to say about that. Fifth, discipline in private. All right? This is between you, the child, and who? God. All right? The goal is not humiliation here. The goal is the repentance of your child. All right? That's what we're after. The goal is their changed heart. So this should be a private thing. Also, you're instructing. Take everything Jason talked a few weeks ago. You're instructing them. It's discipline. It's the rod of instruction. You're not just spanking them and saying, okay, now go figure it out. No, 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 no. It's that you've given them instructions, and the rod is there to reinforce God's ways. Right? And you've got to have, be in private to be able to do that. All right? So you need to be uh, disciplining in private. Discipline in a timely manner. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is set to do evil. If you you don't discipline timely, your child will increasingly rebel against you. Also, Proverbs 19.8 says, Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. (laughs) Some of you, that may be true. At some points, you're like, Oh, what's wrong with you? Um, but the Lord says, discipline while there is hope. There's hope. There's hope. Seventh, balance discipline and encouragement. And of all the things I've said, this is probably the single most important thing I've said. I will say. Uh, discipline and also encourage. You should encourage your child far more than you discipline them. Far more. Far, far more. If all you ever do is administer the rod you are in serious error. Serious error. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we're to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. We have to remember that these little kids, I mean, they're little bitty kids in a big old world. right? And they don't know how to navigate this world. 
right? They're trying to figure things out as well. They need your encouragement. They need your enthusiasm. You need to be their biggest fan, right? You need to be cheering them on all the time, encouraging them with them, constantly pressing them on to become better and more, you know, more like God's kind of child. That's what you need to be doing. They need to know that you love them so that in that 10% window where you do discipline them, there's no doubt in their mind that you are their greatest fan, right? That you love them immensely and would never do anything to hurt them. Uh, but you, you do this because you love them. Martin Luther said, Spare the rod and spoil the child. That is true. But beside the rod, keep an apple to give him when he has done well. Right, don't forget about the apple. All right, encourage your child. Lastly, oh well, number eight, be evangelistic. All right, be evangelistic. Let me show you really quickly what this looks like. You know, when we go to discipline our child, um, you know, they've, they've disobeyed. So we take them to a private place. Now, usually, like I said, we'll ask, okay, what were your instructions um, to go clean my room? Did you follow those instructions? No. What did you do? I went and played. Okay. What does God require of me now? And our kids know the answer is a spanking. That's what God requires of me. So we, we go, we'll go into the bathroom, we sit down. Uh, they know we use, well, they know what implement we use for that. Um, and so I'll say to, Ab- to our child, um, <laughs> he's not the only one who gets spankings, by the way. I'll say something like, uh, in this, I, I've, I know that I've gotten, I'm pretty sure I got this from Pastor Dan, um, which is just, I mean, an immense resource for parenting, um, which thankfully Pastor Dan and Miss Chris will be here next week for a Q&A, Lord willing. Um, so I, I think I got this from Pastor Dan, but I'll say, son, this is God's grace to you, right? And I'll often choke up like this. Why? Because I'm thinking, I love this kid. And he's foolish. (laughs) And it's tied up in his heart. But because God loves him and loves me, he's given me a rod. (laughs) Right? And because I love him, I have to administer this discipline to him. And so I'll say, Abram, this is, or son, this is God's grace to you. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to keep living in rebellion against him. And so he's placed me here to stand with you, to spank you, and to teach you how to walk on the right path. So then I will usually uh, spank him. We just do three spankings, um, you know, three swats. He will cry. I know it's effective. And then immediately we hug. And I bring him in, and it's dealt with immediately. We pray, we rejoice, and we celebrate, just like the prodigal's father, right? Celebrates when the son returns. That's what we do. If you don't discipline your children like this, you don't get that. Right? You don't have the opportunity to celebrate restitution seven times a day. <laughs> you don't get the privilege of that, right? But if you do then wow, every day, multiple times a day, right? you're celebrating the glories of the gospel and God's forgiveness, that he deals with our sin. It hurts, but he deals with it. And then I get to say something like, you know what, son? You know who else is a sinner here? He knows now. 
You are. That's right. I am. You know who took my punishment for me on the cross? Jesus. Right? And we get to celebrate that Jesus took our spanking for us on the cross. Remember, I have little kids. Um, and we rejoice over it. And we praise the Lord and we pray together. And then we're best friends and we move on. All right? This is the way that it works. Ninth, don't quit. Be persistent. All right? Spank, because this is God's method. Of course, there are caveats. But don't quit on it. Right? This is God's way. This is what he's designed for us, the way that he's given us to drive out folly from our child's heart. And it is a wonderful privilege, uh, not merely a burden um, for us to care, carry. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the glories of the gospel, and thank you for our firm, sure, settled forgiveness. Thank you that Christ did bear the discipline that we deserve. He bore your wrath on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Father, we pray that you would help us all to be more faithful in the administration of the instructions you've given us. Help us to see that really spanking the use of the rod is an an issue of faith. Uh, It's an issue of trusting you even when we don't feel like it. Lord, would you help us all to be your kind of parents? We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.